0: Everyone, and welcome to Sample Size,
1: the only news podcast that cares about science.
0: I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And
1: I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. So I, again, do not know how to do these intros. What are we talking about this week, Sam?
0: We are still talking about the coronavirus, unfortunately.
1: Color me surprised.
0: (laughs) I even have a joke in my copy here of how, like, yeah, of course we're doing another coronavirus episode because we did one last week and there always has to be two.
1: (laughs) That's true. Always there are two. But which one was destroyed? The coronavirus vaccines or the coronavirus mutations?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, again, it's just going to be more pandemic-related stuff because I just couldn't fit everything into the last episode. And this is just going to be general vaccine updates.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of people have been getting vaccines, like people I know. So I want to believe that's a good sign, but I've also heard that people who are getting vaccines is a weirdly unique sliver of the population. There's still a lot of people who are in the lurch, so I'm wondering if we'll be learning a little bit about that. (laughs)
0: Yes. And so let's just jump right in with vaccine updates. First, what vaccines are on the market?
1: I know there's at least two, maybe three.
0: (laughs) There are actually 12. So there are 12 vaccines approved worldwide, six approved for full use and six in early or limited use. So Pfizer's vaccine and Moderna's vaccines are the ones that most people probably know because they're approved for use in the U.S. and parts of Europe. I'm sure those are the ones you were thinking of, right, yeah, Cameron? Yeah, 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 yeah. but there's also the vaccines made by Oxford AstraZeneca, CanSino, Sinopharm, Barat Biotech, and Gamalaya. And let me talk about the Gamaleya one, which I hope I'm saying that right. It's supposed to be Russian, but the way I pronounce it doesn't sound Russian at all.
1: We should just like start making up word games for each one of these where it's like, is this like a random Russian oligarch or the name of a vaccine <laughs> company? Yeah.
0: I like that. If we made videos, that would be the if
1: gag. If we made videos. It. If one of us made videos.
0: <laughs> All right. So the Gamaleya one in particular is interesting because it's one made by Russia. The vaccine is actually called Sputnik V. And it had some controversy last summer because Russia was starting to administer it before phase three trials were done. I think we actually covered that on a previous episode.
1: I'm sure we did. You should go back and listen to the whole backlog just to make sure that you know what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) Well, that vaccine actually finished its trial and published their results on February 2nd, where it shows a 91.6% efficacy rate.
1: Wow. I don't know what that means.
0: You do know what that means. We had an episode on what efficacy rates are. But what if
1: I didn't want to go listen to our whole backlog? (laughs) What would I need to know about efficacy?
0: All right. Efficacy is kind of the fancy phrase used in medical trials that you can think of as effectiveness. That's the effectiveness rate.
1: Yes. If I recall, efficacy means the ability to produce a desired or intended result. In this case, likely referring to the desired result of making someone immune to COVID-19 or non-presenting of symptoms of COVID-19.
0: Did you really just look up what the dictionary definition of efficacy was? Maybe. (laughs) All right, well, in the vaccine world, a high rate is good, okay? For context, the FDA said early on in the pandemic that they would approve a vaccine if it was over a 50% or 60%, I can't remember which one, efficacy rate. So this is at a 91.6% efficacy rate. Both Moderna and Pfizer's vaccines were in the ninety percent also. So it's it's just good. It's doing really well.
1: Yeah, if I recall, aren't most vaccines we get like in that fifty to sixty range is the bar? Like that's typically the bar.
0: Yeah, kinda. I mean, it depends on the disease. Like So the flu vaccine, influenza vaccine, is kind of in the 60 percent range, whereas the MMR is like 80, 90 percent. The MMR vaccine is really effective.
1: Nice. Yeah, I would imagine like you'd want them to be more effective. But when we need to get vaccines out, you're going to try and go for whatever you can.
0: Yes. And also the influenza vaccine is just a really special case because we're always having to change what's in it and have to keep up with the mutating flu virus. So
1: a virus that mutates every year and we have been dealing with it for a long time. I wonder if that's going to be an arbiter of anything that we're going to have to deal with in the future.
0: Oh my goodness! Okay, but we're getting we're getting completely off topic. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) we're we're talking about back into the lane. (laughs) We're talking about this pandemic, the COVID nineteen one, and the vaccines associated with this one. So that was Sputnik five, which good news—it's now on the market and it seems to be effective. Another vaccine of note is the Johnson Johnson vaccine, which was approved by the FDA for emergency use on February twenty seventh. And Cameron, you may actually remember this one because in a previous episode, we talked about this vaccine because it actually – it didn't have as high of an efficacy rate as the Moderna and Pfizer ones and actually as the Gamalea one, which we just covered. But it was still pretty good. Like it was definitely – it was in like the 60 percent, 70 percent range. It was still above the FDA threshold.
1: It was good enough.
0: Yes, it was good enough. And also – What's special about the Johnson Johnson vaccine is that it is a single-dose vaccine. So unlike the other ones, which require two doses about a month apart, this one only requires one dose. So that means more people can be vaccinated quicker.
1: Yeah, that's a huge benefit, especially because it costs a lot to transport those doses. I remember there's a lot of questions around the logistics of transporting it and how there's like a special glass company that manufactures all the glasses used for transporting medicines and making syringes because like you can't just use any old glass for it you need to use a special glass so that little little shards and stuff aren't getting injected with the vaccine into people and they were having a glass problem because the two dose vaccine would require so much extra like storage just to get it out there.
0: Yeah, and we're about to cover more like distribution stuff but also Another, I'm just going to spoil it here, another plus for the Johnson Johnson vaccine is that it doesn't have to be stored at a super low temperature, unlike the Moderna and Pfizer ones.
1: Oh, I do have another fun fact about this one. There were literally only one company in all of America that could be consulted for this process, and it was Dippin' Dots. They Wait, are the, the
0: freezing process?
1: Yeah. They're the only supply chain that is so cold that they had the relevant materials and resources to, like, make this possible. Like, no one else was such a big user of dry ice and sub-cold materials. So, if you are getting that vaccine, Dippin' Dots, you owe them at least one buy. Dippin' Dots is always the ice cream of the future, but they're also the ice cream of the present.
0: That makes so much sense, actually. Like, Wow. I don't know why I didn't think of that before. That's okay. My mind's blown. I'm just going to live here for a moment. Yeah.
1: You thought you were the only one bringing knowledge to this podcast, but no, I, I have a giant economics and nerding out on technology's (laughs) brain and man, do I keep up with some weird stuff.
0: (laughs) All right. And before we move on to our next topic, I just want to say this, that if anyone's wondering right now, like, oh, which vaccine should I get? Should I get the Pfizer one, the Moderna one, this new Johnson Johnson one? If you're in a country that's not the U.S., you could have even more options open. But the answer is... The vaccine you should get is whatever one becomes available to you first. And that's not just me saying it. That is Dr. Anthony Fauci saying it. So take it from him. Get the first thing that's available to you.
1: Yeah, I would say the vast, 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 vast majority of us, unless we are literally responsible for one of these companies, are not going to get a say in which vaccine we get. Which you can get whichever one is available to us because the vaccine purchasing process is a product of whose government has been able to even get in touch with these companies.
0: Well, yeah. And the reason Fauci made that statement, and I even saw some other articles talking about it, was because it's just well known that the Johnson Johnson one isn't as effective as Pfizer and Moderna. So already people are debating like, oh, if I was given the opportunity to get the Johnson Johnson one, maybe I should just hold out for a few months and I could get the Pfizer and Moderna one. and He was just trying to, like, say, no, just don't do that. It's going to be way better to get the first one that's available to you. This goes back to this whole herd immunity thing Mm -hmm. and that, like, the quicker we can get everyone vaccinated, like, the quicker we're going to achieve herd immunity and then this pandemic can stop. Yes. All
1: right. It's not going to. But, yeah, we'll try our best.
0: Stop being negative.
1: I will try my best.
0: All right. Would you like an update on vaccine production distribution now?
1: Well, I didn't come to this podcast to not get an update.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. According to our world and data, in the U.S., 78.6 million people have been given at least one dose of a vaccine, which is about 23.8% of the population. And if you look at total people vaccinated... The U.S. is in second behind China, but when you adjust for population total, Israel is actually far in the lead worldwide with about 96 percent of its population vaccinated, followed by the United Arab Emirates, the U.K., and then the U.S.
1: Yes, all places with smaller populations than China and the U.S., so I guess the proportional population would make sense. But something I do notice in what you described is that those are places where the government is resource rich enough to facilitate this. And also the places where people would go, they have the infrastructure to make it fairly easy to get people the vaccine or to get people to where they need to be to get the vaccine.
0: Yes. Like Israel in particular is, I mean, I mentioned that 96%. They've done a crazy job in making sure everyone is vaccinated. Almost everyone is vaccinated. And partly because they did have a surge in COVID cases when they started reopening things. So they went far in the direction of being really aggressive and distributing the vaccine.
1: Yeah. And I bring this up because I know we mentioned in a previous episode, shout out to our past episodes, (laughs) It's like a. It should just be like a meme. We should have a t-shirt that just says shout out to our past episodes.
0: Should that be on the soundboard?
1: That should be on the soundboard. Oh yeah, I have a soundboard now. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even a joke. It's one to use. Evan. So waiting to use it for like 20 minutes. No, the reason I brought it up was because we were talking about how supply chains were going to be problematic for especially developing countries, countries in the global south that don't have an easy way of getting different vaccines around the place. And it was mm-hmm. particularly bad because one of them had to be stored with dry ice and not a lot of countries have the infrastructure for Dippin Dots. So there's there was that. But it's also a question of there's a lot of countries that they weren't first to the table when it came to even being able to secure the vaccine.
0: Yeah, that is a very good point. And a lot of the more Western companies, you know, the US, Europe, those parts, they signed these deals with the companies making the vaccines before the vaccine was even released. Like, we're giving you this many millions, this many billions of dollars, and we're going to commit to orders. Well, those other countries that didn't have those resources, they they couldn't do that. So mm-hmm. now they're just behind and You can think of like, you know, the people who order first are going to get their stuff first. So, you know, they're behind in line. You got to get that prime day
1: shipping on your vaccines.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I do actually want to bring up that the World Health Organization has been leading the charge to get vaccines to country that needs them and also help with storage logistics like with the logistics of just storing vaccines at lower temperatures.
1: Mm-hmm. Good on them. That's the what you would expect from the WHO. It's in the name.
0: Yeah. It's like that's their job or something. It's an
1: organization that brings health to the world. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's talk about vaccine shortages in the U.S. for a moment because most of my information I have is about the U.S. Go figure, the country I live in. And
1: we also have firsthand experience with this, although none of them were for us to get the vaccine because we still aren't vaccinated. (laughs) Spoiler? I don't
0: know. (laughs) So vaccine shortages have been slowing down how many people can get vaccinated And I'm sure all U.S. listeners have heard stories of how difficult it has been to get appointments or of being on these really long wait lists. Well, executives from Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson Johnson testified recently to Congress saying how they're working hard to manufacture more vaccines. So Pfizer had a goal of delivering 30 to 40 million doses by the end of 2020, but it has only delivered 30 million as of recently. And Moderna had a goal of delivering 20 million doses, but only got 17.8 million doses. So they got closer to their goal, but still not quite to their goal. However, both companies say they are on track to deliver more doses, and Moderna just delivered 9 million doses late February. So things are looking promising. Very cool. And also Johnson Johnson is planning to ship 20 million doses to the federal government by the end of March. So also good news.
1: I do feel like I have to take a moment to point out how obnoxious has been seeing this rollout, though, because it seems like as soon as certain people who are in power in their like state or whatever get vaccinated, they're like, we can open up finally. It's like, no, we can't. You should not be opening anything up. Cough, cough, Texas. Cuff, cuff. <laughs> Pretty much the entire state watched him get vaccinated and the next day be like, it's over. It's like people who are not the governor of Texas are still vulnerable. And also the power went up for a week.
0: You're bringing up some good points, which I maybe now I just want to give like a shout out <laughs> to things of like, hey, if you get the vaccine, I guess my first like PSA is going to be, if you get the vaccine, you should still follow safety measures. Like you should still wear a mask in public, try to social distance. There have actually been some new guidelines recently that like fully vaccinated people, so like if you received both doses of the vaccine, they can visit with other fully vaccinated people indoors without doing masks or social distancing and can also visit with unvaccinated people who are at really low risk and can refrain from quarantine and testing following a known exposure if they're asymptomatic. But it's still just advised to, in public, you know, continue to wear masks and physically distance and just to keep up with measures. So just because you got the vaccine doesn't mean you're off the hook for this entire thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, The biggest thing I've been hearing is that the vaccines, their biggest benefit is to you, right? It helps prevent you from getting severe symptoms of COVID-19 and ending up in a life-threatening situation. But even though you're vaccinated you can still be asymptomatic. And if you go, like, remember, when you wear a mask, you're not just protecting yourself from inhaling COVID-19. You're also helping to make sure that if you are asymptomatic, you are not just spewing all those particles out into the world Mm -hmm. and making it easier for other people to get infected. So even if you have been vaccinated, especially if you're meeting with people who haven't, you want to make sure that you're keeping them safe by following these guidelines because you could still give them the disease.
0: Yeah, there's a reason the effectiveness rates aren't 100% because the vaccines aren't an 100% guarantee. I mean, the probability of you getting COVID still is really low with being vaccinated, but still it's not 100%. So just, I know it's bothersome, but please everyone keep up with social distancing and mask wearing and everything.
1: Also, shout out to our last episode. Because that's the meme now. <laughs> as as we pointed out, mutations are a thing. And it's still not clear how effective the vaccines are on those mutations.
0: Ooh, okay. You know what? This is a great segue. We are going to talk about, is the vaccine actually effective in worldwide conditions?
1: Okay, I hope you're not, this isn't like, we're going to like talk about it and more you're going to tell me because I don't know.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm going to, I'm moving on to my next section. I'm giving you updates on this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there have been two studies recently that have come out measuring the effectiveness of the vaccine, specifically the Pfizer vaccine. There was one in the U.K. It's called the SIREN study, and there was a preprint published recently in The Lancet, published near the end of February. So that study involved healthcare workers in the UK to test the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine. And this study found that 21 days after a single dose of the vaccine resulted in 72 percent effectiveness and that seven days after two doses resulted in 86 percent effectiveness.
1: I don't know what those mean.
0: OK, so we've been talking about a lot, bringing up efficacy rate, effectiveness, yada, yada, yada. The higher the percentage, the better. Yeah, 100% would be a gold standard. we okay, You're never going to get it. there. I
1: okay. I, I know this. I know this. Okay. I know what you're getting at because you're saying that after people are inoculated, they get the vaccine, they're showing how effective the disease has been on the broader population at preventing infection and symptoms over a longer period of time after the vaccination?
0: Yes. I think what you're getting at is correct. Basically, this study was done on a bunch of healthcare workers who were given the vaccine. And they measured, not just measured, they tested them for COVID. They tested them for COVID at certain points to see, even after getting the vaccine, how many of them got it. And so, from doing those testings, they were able to come up with an effectiveness rate on how effective was the vaccine. And what they found was that. After the first dose, it goes 72%. And after the second dose, it was 86%. This is good because in the phase three trial for the Pfizer vaccine, the efficacy rate was like 92%, 96%. I don't care. Remember, it was in the 90s. But that is in a controlled setting. Like that's in, you can think of as a laboratory environment. Like mm-hmm. they had specifically picked people to participate in this study, really examining them. It's just in a controlled environment. So yeah.
1: It's not messy like the real world is.
0: Yes, the real world is very messy. So every time you develop some kind of pharmaceutical, you also want to study it after it's been released in the public just to make sure things hold up. You can expect that it will not be as effective in the public as it was in a more controlled setting. So that's what you're seeing here. But this is still highly effective. Like 86% after two doses is still really good.
1: People, I don't think, fully appreciate how fast we've been getting these vaccines out compared to other ones. Without that longitudinal study, the ability to see into the future, it's unclear if people who are getting a one or two dose vaccine are going to need boosters in a year or a few years just to make sure that if COVID's still around, we don't do that.
0: Oh my God, Cameron, you said the magic word. Okay, boosters. So I'm going to cover that So before I do that, I'm just going to mention there was also a study done out of Israel that showed 90% effective. So promising work about the Pfizer vaccine. But let's talk about boosters because already Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca are developing boosters for their vaccines. And the boosters they're designing are actually to address the new variants of the coronavirus that have been popping up.
1: Wait, so it's if I'm understanding what you just said right, it's they built the original vaccines to target the original coronavirus that's genome was put out super early on in the pandemic.
0: The wild type, yeah.
1: Yeah, but they're able to tweak the boosters to say like, all right, it's basically the same thing. But now we can also start targeting these mutant variants that are more effective or potentially more dangerous.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know the exact specifics and mechanisms of what they're doing, but I imagine what they're going to be doing is using some of the genome sequencing specific to those variants are going to be put in the vaccine so that your immune system will develop antibodies to target those new varieties in the genome.
1: Yeah, not to take us too far off the beaten path, but I really can't get over how amazing modern technology and sciences Was it the 1918 flu or whatever the original Spanish yeah. flu was? We basically spent five years dealing with it and no one understood what flus were at the time. And then this one is like within months, within like three months, we went from there is a pandemic happening to this is the full genome of the disease and we can start working to fix it.
0: Yeah, DNA sequencing is crazy. Crazy advance now. I guess go back 10 years. It would take so long and cost so much to sequence something. And now you have, you know, 23andMe and Ancestry.com where you just like spit in a test tube and your genome can be sequenced like that. Yeah. Like, nothing.
1: Bill Clinton at the like start of his presidency was like by the end of the decade, our moonshot will be we'll have sequenced the human genome as like just for one DNA strand. Now we can do it for fun. For Ancestry.com on a whim.
0: Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane technology. Oh, just to go back to the boosters for a moment. These boosters, they still have to go through a clinical trial and then be approved. So they won't be popping up soon. Like <laughs> They're going to take some time. But they are developing them in case they're needed. And actually, boosters for vaccines are very common. They're there because over time, your immunity will weaken against some viruses. And so you have to have boosters to kind of in the name, it boosts your immunity for it. The MMR vaccine and the Tdap vaccine both have boosters for them.
1: Yeah, like keep me honest. But I think we've gone over a million times on previous episodes about (laughs) how vaccines work basically being able to recognize a specific pattern of a very dangerous foreign entity that we need to fight against but all the memory cells that stick around to remind the body that this thing is bad they go away through natural processes of the body your body is cycling through all of the cells that are in it i hear this like all the time and i don't know if it's true but like every seven years basically your body has replaced all the cells in it or something.
0: I think I've heard that too. I'm not sure how real that is. Yeah.
1: I don't think it's honestly true. I imagine it would definitely vary for every person if it were true. But the point is, it is representative of the fact that your body is turning over cells at a very regular rate. And so as a result, over time, your body's ability to recognize things that previously identified as dangerous could weaken because you don't have the same number of cells that will give that signal. And so that's what the booster does. It helps tell the body This is still a thing you need to think about.
0: Yeah. That was a great explanation, Cameron. Thank you.
1: Wait. Oh, my goodness. I'm so good. I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually going to leave in any of these sounds in the final.
0: Uh, No, you have to leave it in now. All right. Okay. And one last thing before we wrap up. First, if you can get the vaccine, please go and get it. I think we've said this a million times this episode. The majority of people getting vaccinated is really what's going to control and stop this pandemic. But also, if you do get your vaccine, please do not post your vaccine card on social media. I read an article about this because it's apparently becoming a problem. So not only does that card have sensitive personal information on it, but also scammers have been using these pictures to make fake vaccine cards for sale. And since these cards list where and when you got the vaccine, scammers could also use that info to trick people into thinking they need to pay to get like a second dose of the vaccine. So please get vaccinated if you can brag about it on social media, but don't brag by posting your vaccine card.
1: Yeah. Don't post anything you get from the government to the internet. It's a low bar, but I feel like <laughs> we all somehow limbo under it way too often. <laughs>
0: And that's all I got for vaccine updates. Cameron, has this been a very knowledgeable podcast?
1: I have learned so much. And I would argue that you, person listening, if you made it this far, probably at least found entertainment, if not joy and knowledge in this podcast, (laughs) to which I would ask, please share it with people. Like, seriously, it's great hearing from people. If you want to, just let let us know how much you're enjoying. Or maybe if you have some feedback for us on uh, Twitter is pretty much it, but... (laughs)
0: Yes, go reach out to us on Twitter at show.
1: Yeah, and also thank you for everyone who's left reviews and feedback on the show so far. And also, I know a lot of people have been enjoying those show notes down in the notes of every episode where they can read up and make sure that they can keep us honest.
0: <laughs> yes, all my sources are in the show notes. Thank you, Scott, for editing us as always.
1: His info is also down in the show notes.
0: Keep wearing those masks. Keep social distancing. We're going to get through this. Bye. Bye.